The man stranded on a, a desert island for several years. And finally, a ship shows up in the distance, a landing party comes ashore, and he's rescued. And as he's embracing this landing party, celebrating his rescue, they ask him, are you alone on the island? He says, yeah, for years. Nobody else has been here but me. So they say, well, can we ask you then, there, there are three huts back here. Who, who, who do the other huts belong to? He says, no, those are all mine. He says, well, I don't understand. If you're, if you're here by yourself, he says, well, the one in the middle is the one I live in, and the one on beside, right beside it, that's my church. They said, well, that's awesome, but, but that still doesn't explain. What's the, what's the other hut? Oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> you see, you don't have to have a big group of people to have division. And we laugh about that, but it is sad that there are a lot of churches, even in our area of the Bible Belt, that they started out of division. And what's sad is when you look at statistics, most church splits, most church division have zero to do with theology or doctrine. It has to do with stuff like, well, that was my seat, or they changed the lights, or why did they change the carpet, or there's not enough parking, or, you know, they hurt my feelings because I wanted to do this, and they did this. And, and, and there's all these kind of divisions that begin to take place, and even within the church. And we live in a, a world that is divided. I mean, think about all of the things on a daily basis that we, we make decisions on when we first meet someone. A lot of times we base whether we like that person or not on if, they, if, if one of our other family members already knows them or what do they feel about this person. If they like them, then I like them. If they don't like them, I won't like them. We talk about, well, I'm for, pro, I'm for public school or I'm for homeschool or I'm a liberal or I'm conservative or I'm Republican or I'm a Democrat. And you say, well, you're not supposed to talk about politics in church. I'm just telling you, there's division all around us, even during, especially during football season. <laughs> I mean, there's division. Uh, I like to have good-natured fun with some people, but there's some people even in my family that I know I'm not going to call my brother today who is a diehard Florida State fan because I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan. And we wore them out yesterday. Just a little side note. But I'm not going to call him today. He'll probably call me Wednesday or Thursday and act like that game never took place. But there's division all, all around us. And even within our family, we can have different political views, different religious views. We can have all types of different situations in our lives. And, and, and it's amazing because when we look at what our passage of Scripture says today, a lot of times we, we let these divisions carry over into our spiritual walk with Christ. And it's very sad when a church has division in the midst of it because of things that don't matter in eternity. <laughs> there are people right now that I've, I went to, to seminary with that are very divided with me on what a preacher is supposed to wear when he preaches. I got some that said, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't preach without wearing a suit and a tie. And I said, you can. I do it every week. He says, well, you should wear this suit and this tie because of the office that you're, you're holding. I was like, well, am I supposed to wear a suit and tie them when I witness to someone on the street? What does that have to do with, with what I have on? 
And there's division in in what a preacher is supposed to wear. There's division in what someone who attends church is supposed to wear. There's division in uh, how Sunday school is supposed to go. There's division that, you know, you're supposed to have a Sunday night service and a Wednesday service. There's division on all these things that in eternity don't matter. And today, though, what we're talking about is not division, it's peace. And what's amazing is that while we live in a world of division, the Bible is embraced with the idea and the common thread of peace. It begins with peace. The Bible begins with peace in the garden, and that peace is there in the garden amongst God's most precious creation until what happens? Sin is chosen. But then even from that moment on, throughout God's word, peace is proclaimed. Peace is prophesied. Peace is talked about and dealt with all the way through Christ coming and and being born of a virgin to bring what? Peace. He preaches a message of peace. His death on the cross secures that peace. And his resurrected body and his life everlasting enables us to be who he's called us to be, which is what we're going to find in our scripture today. Over 400 times throughout God's word is the message of peace proclaimed. And what's amazing, as we'll read in just a moment, Matthew 5, 9, if you'll turn with me in your copy of God's Word, as it'll be up on the screen as well, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You see, what's amazing is many times, even in my own life, I've been guilty of this fact. I'm waiting on somebody else to make the world better. Anybody else there? I'm waiting on someone else to make the world better. Well, maybe if this political aspect happens, or maybe if this uh, person uh, is able to, to gain an audience, and, and I look at, I'm waiting on somebody else to make the world better. And I want you to understand that this verse of Scripture, it's not directed to say, hey, blessed are the politicians because they're going to bring peace. Blessed are the arbitrators because they're going to bring peace. It's talking about us as believers And it's an action. And that's what we have to understand because as we've moved through these Beatitudes, again, it's not a grocery list where I'm picking and choosing who I'm going to be. If I am poor in spirit, I'm going to come to know Christ. If I am desiring and thirsting and hungering for righteousness' sake, if I am pure in heart, all of these things are going to lead for me to be able to be this peacemaker that God desires for me to be. And it's an action. It's someone who actively pursues peace in their life and in the lives of others. Now, there's some things that we have to understand, and we're going to get into this first point very quickly. And it is this, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's not saying peace wishers, peace hopers, peace possibilities, peacemakers. It's an active term. So understand when we see again the blessed life, he's saying because you are blessed in knowing me, because you are blessed in being a believer in Christ, because you're a child of God, because that's who you are, you are going to be this peacemaker. This is what you're going to enact into your life. But there's some things we have to understand that this doesn't mean because sometimes we get this mindset that, well, how can I be a peacemaker if I don't even have peace in my own life? How can I be a peacemaker if I'm struggling in my own circumstances and situations? So we understand there's a couple of things you need to realize that this isn't. When it talks about a peacemaker, that is not someone who is absent of conflict in their life. 
It doesn't mean, you, well, I can't be a peacemaker because I have conflict in my own life. Peace has nothing to do with the absence of conflict. Because here's a, a harsh, true reality. When you look at Scripture, this world is not going to get better until Christ comes back. That's a reality. And I'm not sitting here gloom and doom. I don't want you to think, well, man, what, why are we even here then? I just need to go home, lock my doors and windows, and turn on uh, Netflix and binge till, it, till it's all over. I'm not wanting to be gloom and doom. I'm just telling the reality is we get in our mind that, well, maybe things in the world will drastically change. We can make our world better, but this world in its entirety is not going to get better until Christ returns. That's what Scripture says. It's going to get worse, actually. So understanding that being a peacemaker has nothing to do with the absence of conflict. I challenge you to look at even one day in your life that was completely absence of conflict. Conflict comes in all shapes and sizes. One of the running illustrations I want to give you today is growing up, I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than me, and most of our life, not only was he three years younger than me, he was much, much smaller than I was. <laughs> now, he tells people it's because I got to eat first, and I didn't leave him much food. But regardless, he was, he was always very small growing up. And we lived in a little farmhouse, so we shared a room, and I... I don't want to say I tormented him, because that must be in a bad light, but I tortured him. And I made his life very miserable a lot of times. So there was very few days in his life that was absent of conflict. I was constantly doing things, and now, of course, now we're grown, so we don't do that anymore. Plus, he took karate for several years. He's been doing CrossFit for about 10 years, so I'm a lot nicer to him now than I used to be. So growing up, he never had the absence of conflict. But there were moments of peace that he achieved when our mom and our dad got home. <laughs> because in those moments, there was a difference in that household. Because I knew when mom and dad are here, I can't torment him the way I do when they're not. Now, why do I share that? Because here's the reality. My life is never going to be absent of conflict, but my life and my walk is never absent of his presence. So many times I let this conflict, I let these struggles and these situations around me govern my attitude and govern who I am in my own life and the reality is, all along, God is never leaving me. He's always with me. So even in the midst of this conflict, I may not have peace on the outside that's evident, but I have an inner peace that cannot be changed or altered. And that's what's important to understand, because if we don't understand that, then the moments we have conflict in our life, we, we forget that, that I have peace because I have Him. So it's not the absence of conflict. It's also, though, not the avoidance of conflict. How many of you know people in your life right now that they refuse to argue, refuse to engage in any kind of dispute whatsoever? How many of you have your hand up are that person who refuses to argue, refuses to engage in any kind of conflict? Being a peacemaker is not the avoidance of conflict. Because you realize, and it's hard for me to, I don't like conflict. 
But the reality is sometimes the conflict that I have to engage in is what leads to the true peace, is what leads to the true reconciliation, is what leads to the true relationship being what it should be, whatever that situation is in my life. So being a peacemaker, I have to understand, it's not avoiding conflict. Sometimes the very fact that you are a peacemaker, and we'll see more about this here in just a moment, is engaging in that conflict, being a part of that situation but handling it in the way that God intends for us to handle. So it's not the absence of conflict. It's not the avoidance of conflict. It's not the mindset of I'm going to go along so we get along. That's that compromise. That's that fact that, well, you know what? I don't agree with you, but it's going to be easier for me just to say that you're right and I'm wrong so that we can get along. To be a peacemaker is not the go along so we get along mindset. How many of you are, are that person? It's just easier for me to say that I'm wrong and you're right so that we can move on. Do you realize how unhealthy that is in, in our lives? Because, see, all of that stuff bottles up. It just it doesn't just dissipate. So it just keeps bottling up and bottling up. How many of you have ever done that where you get to a point that all of a sudden one day this least little thing happens. You don't even know why it does it, but it lights, it lights a fuse, and all of a sudden you blow your top. Just by the reactions I hear out here, I got people raising both hands and both feet back in the back saying, that's me. You're preaching to me today, preacher. And I'm not just telling you that in theory, I'm, I'm, that's the way I am. I'm telling you. If you know me by now, I'm real. This, this, this past week at work, man, everything just kind of just kept piling up on me, piling up on me. And I was like, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And all of a sudden, man, it, all of this stuff, major work stuff is happening, and I'm keeping it together. But then I walk into my dispatch office in there, and there's one piece of paper that's supposed to be on this clipboard, but it's down here on this clipboard. Not a big deal, really. It was all, as easy as me to walk over and pull it from that clipboard and put it up on that clipboard. I lost it. I lost it. I mean, I got, I, everybody get in there. I get everybody in the office, and I'm like, I need you to, and I'm just laying it all out here, laying it all out here, and, and, and I'm just unloading on all of my guys, okay? And the youngest guy there, 26 years old, bless his heart, he finally just looks back, and he goes, Puts it up on the top and is like, is that what you needed it to be done? I was like, y'all get back to work. But at least the little thing. And, 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 and I look back and as I sat in my office, and it's amazing how God says, you know what? Take a break from this drywall work for a minute and let's get back to your sermon preparation because this is exactly what I'm trying to tell you in your heart that you need to share with them that to be a peacemaker, it, is, it can't be the go along so that we get along and just keep swallowing these things in because you will blow your top. That's not who you're meant to be. You need to be flowing through. Let it out. That's where the true peace is found. So it's not those things and it's not a peacekeeper. Sometimes we confuse a peacemaker with a peacekeeper. And, and a peacekeeper, going back to that same illustration with my brother, a peacekeeper was if we, he and I were fighting in our room, and just say hypothetically, I had him pinned down and I was making him lick my shoe or something. Not that I would ever do that. As, but whatever I was doing in that moment, my dad or my mom comes in 
and separates us, and I get in trouble. And my brother's sitting there kind of doing this. I, I told you, I told you. He's acting big then. Because in that moment, my mom and my dad, they're a peacekeeper. Because as I'm standing there, my brother's over there. They're right here in between us. I know I'm not fast enough to get to him without them catching me. And in that moment, they're a peacekeeper. Because in that moment, I'm judging and basing my actions on the fact that they're there. But I'm looking at my brother and giving him that eye that he knows means they have to leave this room sometime. And when they do, they're no longer a peacekeeper in the midst of that, and I commence to do what I was doing to begin with. We're not peacekeepers. We're not someone who is constantly trying to separate those two people who are trying to bring peace in their life or, 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 or whatever it is that's involved in that moment. What we're trying to understand is a peacemaker is that we're literally taking an opportunity to help someone achieve a change from the inside out, that then their actions, their life, everything about who they are is no longer based on whether someone's watching them or not watching them. It's based on who they belong to within. That's what a peacemaker, those are the things that a peacemaker isn't. So here's what a peacemaker is. Now understand the, the simple definition is this. They actively seek to reconcile people to God and people to one another. That's what a peacemaker is. They're actively pursuing opportunities to reconcile people to God and people to other people. That's what a peacemaker is. And the Hebrew word was shalom. So it was a greeting. It would be like a hello and a goodbye. But what it meant was, the, we, I wish when you said shalom to someone, you're saying, I hope that God's full presence, power, and prosperity are in your life. That's what I hope and I pray for you. So what a peacemaker is, is someone that, number one, is trying to reconcile people to God, and number two, reconcile people to other people. So what does that really involve? Number one, it involves sharing the gospel. To be a peacemaker, I am actively sharing the gospel. Now, how many of you are right there, as soon as I said that, your first thought in your mind was, well, preacher, I don't... I don't know how to share the biblical gospel story. How many of you, that first thing that went through your mind? I don't know how to share the biblical gospel story. Well, let me appease you just a little bit and help you understand something. When you come to know Christ, you become the gospel. Do you get that? It's good. I'm telling you, you wait till we get there. Because when you accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior, it's no longer about, well, let me share what Jesus can do in somebody else's life. You become the gospel. It then becomes about you just sharing your life and your story. This is who I was B.C., before Christ. This is who I am A.D. That wouldn't work after Christ. After I died to myself. See, I planned it out. So understanding that, for example, in my case, to truly share the gospel in a meaningful way, I'm not sitting someone down and saying, hey, let me take you through the scriptures and tell you what Jesus could do in your life. It starts by me saying, let me tell you what kind of teenager I was. Let me tell you that I was hard-headed. I was doing my own thing. I was mean to my brother. I was disrespectful to my mom and my dad. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about much of anything other than what involved and appeased me. It was all about me. But then all of a sudden, this church that I had never been to in my life 
starts going around and picking up kids and taking them to this middle school to play sports. So I thought, well, this is my opportunity that I can now go and be away from my house and my little pestering brother and my mom and dad that don't understand me and get on my nerves. I'm probably the only teenager that's ever said that, but it's okay if you aren't there yet. And mom and dad, if it's, it's okay if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm, oh, I'm so thankful that my little son or little daughter never, never would say that about me. Bless your heart. <laughs> but I thought, this is a great opportunity. I can go play sports, and I can go talk to these girls, and I can just get away, and this is going to be about me. And for the first couple of weeks, guess what? It was all about me. I came and I did what I wanted to do. And I quickly realized that there was a, a method behind their madness because at the end of the night before they put us on the bus and take us back home, they put us in the bleachers and they would share the gospel about who Jesus was. And of course, I grew up in the Bible Belt, so I knew who Jesus was because I had grown up in church. I've been to church ever since I was born, so I, I didn't really pay them a whole lot of, t of attention. I was just knowing that, hey, this is the part where I got to sit in the bleachers, I'll act like I'm paying attention, then I'll get on the bus, I'll go home, and next week I'll come back and I'll play some more sports. But over the weeks, guess what began to happen? You see, I began to pay more attention to what they were sharing when I was sitting in that set of bleachers. And it began to really weigh on me. And week after week, I began to feel worse and worse about who I was. And having to look, accept the fact that I was not a good person. And I was not doing good things. And if what they were saying was true, and that there is a real place called hell, and those who have unconfessed and unforgiven sin go to that place, then I had to accept the fact that that's where I'm going to end up. And all of a sudden, this week came by that I get picked up by the bus and I get there. And I didn't care about basketball, ping pong, dodgeball, whoever else was there. All I wanted to do, was to get in that bleachers and hear one more time about who Jesus wanted to be in my life. And as soon as I got there, and they began to share that. And they did the same thing every week. They gave an opportunity, and I couldn't get down there fast enough. I didn't wait till they said, bow your head and close your eyes. I didn't wait till they said, raise your hand, and we'll, we wanna, don't want to call on you. I got up, and I couldn't get down there fast enough. And I can't remember what the person looked like that led me in that prayer. I can't remember what I had on. I can't remember what the weather was like that night. I can't remember what the date was. I can't. But I'll tell you what I will never forget. Standing between those bleachers and feeling this weight lift off of me and having this feeling for the first time in my life that I was going to be okay. And you know what that was? That was peace. That was peace that only Christ can bring. Now, from that moment on, I have been far from perfect. And I'll be far from perfect until he calls me home to be with him in the glories of heaven. But each and every day, I never forget that moment that everything in my life changed. 
Now, you won't find my story in between these two cupboards. You won't find all those details in between these cupboards. But do you know what I just shared with you? I just shared with you the gospel. I just shared with you the gospel because that church didn't change my life. That middle school gymnasium didn't have the power to change my life. That youth worker didn't have the power to change my life. But Jesus changed me dramatically. You see, that's the gospel. And to be a peacemaker, you have to share the gospel. When's the last time you shared your story? Maybe even now you're having to think hard. When was that moment in in my life? Because, see, your story always leads to their story. Because they may not be a teenager that I'm sharing that story with. They may not be in the same situation, scenario that I, I was in when that story impacted my life. But understand this. If they don't know Jesus, it's going to resonate with them that, you know what? I, too, have some issues in my life. I, too, have conflict and struggles in my life. And I, too, I want this kind of peace that he's talking about. I want that peace that no matter what's going on in the world around me, I am at peace because of who I am and who I belong to. So to be a peacemaker, I share the gospel. You are that gospel. And to be a peacemaker, secondly, I stand in the gap. You see, many times, one of the biggest things that the devil uses in people's lives to keep them from accepting Christ is convincing them that they're okay without him. It's convincing them that, well, you're not as bad as so-and-so, or, you know, you're not as bad as so-and-so, or especially in the area that we live in, convincing them that you've been to church all your life. If anybody's okay, you are. I'm here to tell you, going to church doesn't give you peace any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Being brought up and living in the Bible Belt is not something that I'm going to be able to stand before God when my time on this earth is over and say, but oh, let me show you my driver's license. Remember where I live. (laughs) That's not it. It's having exposure to the gospel and accepting that as as what it can be in your life and standing in the gap is when we're willing to say you know what this person needs christ in their life and i'm willing to stand in this gap and help them understand that i'm willing to stand and fight off the devil i'm willing to stand and fight off this person or that person that's bringing torment in their life i'm willing to stand in the gap and be a, a helpmate to them until they too receive the peace that i have That's hard and a messy job to do because many times that person that we're trying to bring peace into their life, they don't want our help. They don't don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be genuine and exposed into the struggles that they're having in their life. But when they're willing to do that and you're willing to say, I'm willing to stand in the gap for you, That's when peace can come into their life. And one of the problems that peacemakers often engage in is this. Sometimes my first attack is, well, let me bring peace with this person and this person. There it is. There's the division. Preachers have a, a lot of struggle with this. 
Because many times, even in my own ministry, I have these people that are at odds with one another. They're divided over whatever the issue may be. And my first thought is, well, I need to try to reconcile this person to this person. And the first thing I need to do is make sure that this person's reconciled to God and this person's reconciled to God. I've had the privilege of being involved with marriage counseling. And a couple of times over the years, my first realization was this. I'm trying to speak and bring peace into this husband and wife relationship, but I have left out one of the biggest foundational issues that we need to talk about. Is this man saved and is this woman saved? Because I'm trying to reconcile them to one another, and it may be that they're not yet reconciled to God. So a peacemaker shares the gospel, stands in the gap, and always takes the right side. You may say, well, preacher, that doesn't even sound right. Whose side would you take when you're talking with this husband and this wife? I always take the same side, Jesus. What about about politics? What about liberals and conservatives and this and that? I always take the same side, Jesus. What about when you, 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 you face challenges out in the world and you have this moral view and this moral view? What, what side do you take then? I always take the same side, Jesus. That may sound simple, but it, it's, it's really a challenge. But the reality is this. I don't base my life in being a peacemaker on how culture changes, how society changes, how mindsets change throughout our, our, our world and our lives. I understand that the culture that was when I was a teenager is not the same as the teenagers are facing today. But do you know what hasn't changed? The truth. The truth of who God is and who he'll be in your life and mine. And a peacemaker is that person that takes, always takes the side of truth. I'll never forget, even this week, somebody asked me, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I said, I'm neither one. They said, why not? I said, because I'm a Christian. I said, I don't... I don't Nowadays, how can you tell the difference? You got Republicans that are liberal. You got Democrats that say they're conservative. And you, now, some of you are probably saying, preacher, you're talking a lot about politics. Because you know what? That's, that's what people have been talking about the last couple of weeks. That's on Instagram and Facebook. Everybody's talking about politics. You know what I'm not going to avoid? I'm not going to avoid that struggle and that strife to discuss those things. But I'm going to be real. I'm always going to take the same side. And I said, well, you, what do you believe about this politician? I don't know. I don't watch CNN because I don't like their spin on it. I don't watch Fox News because I don't like their spin on it. They said, Preacher, how do you keep up with what's going on in the world? Well, truthfully, I probably couldn't tell you what's going on in the world. I had somebody just this week say, did you hear about what happened down at the Dollar General? No, I didn't hear about that. Do you not watch the news? I was like, no. I watch Seinfeld. (laughs) Why do you watch Seinfeld instead of the news? Because I'd rather laugh than cry. But I I say that jokingly, but at the same time, I challenge myself because, you know what, I I do need to be aware of what's going on around me so that I can engage people in conversation and be a peacemaker. Because you know what's so wonderful about being willing to talk to someone who has a different view than you do? Is getting to share your view. I'll listen to someone. Jehovah's Witness come to my door? Man, I love to talk to them. I love to talk to them. I ask them the same questions right off the bat. Is what you're going to share with me getting me to heaven? No, no, 144,000, they go to heaven, but you're going to be on a glorified earth. I said, well, I already got a better deal than that. (laughs) 
I said, you want to keep talking? We'll keep talking. Let me share my deal with you, and you'll realize that you don't have as good a deal as I got. That's a peacemaker. But too often, if we're honest with ourselves, when someone has a different view, a different mindset, a different background, a different history in their life, we shy away from that, don't we? Well, I don't want to engage that. I need to talk to people that are like-minded like me. If you were to ask every person in this room right now the same question about a political or a worldview, we'd probably get no less than 50 different answers. Why? Because we have different views. A peacemaker is not someone who takes this side or this side of a worldview. It's the one that takes this side every single time. The truth. Now, before we run out of time, let me share with you good news, though. If I am that peacemaker, then that scripture tells me, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they shall be called sons of God, a child of God. I love it when people see my children and they say they look like me because I think my children are good looking. <laughs> I don't love it quite as much when they say they look like my wife because my wife is better looking than me. <laughs> and it reminds me that I better get with the program and stick with the program because she could do a lot better than I am. I understand, though, that when my kids are recognized that they belong to me, it makes me feel great. Not only in their appearance, but their attitude. When somebody says, hey, he acts like you in this way and that way, or he doesn't act like you in this way or that way. And their actions, when they're doing things and involved in life, and people recognize that and they relate that to me, it makes me feel good. Do you know what is an amazing picture? That God is basically saying in that scripture, when you're a peacemaker, when you're sharing the gospel, when you're standing in the gap, when you're trying to reconcile people to me and people to one another, when you're trying to let the world see the peace that is within you, when you're doing those things, I am so proud of you because the world is recognizing that you belong to me. It's literally the world saying, you know, you look like Jesus. You don't get any bigger compliment than that. What, a, what an amazing thing. Can you imagine if God is like me and he's up in heaven and he's going, look at my son. You see how he looks like me right there? Look at my son. You see his attitude right there? Man, I'm so proud of him. You see my son? You see what he's doing right there? You see he's sharing his story? Do you see that? Man, I'm so proud of my son. That's what he says the blessing is. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because the world will recognize that your appearance is different than it was before. They'll recognize that your attitude is something special to behold. They'll recognize that the actions you take are unselfish and you're willing to do anything to reconcile even one person to God and to reconcile this person to this person to exemplify who Christ wants us to be. You see, that's what it means to be a, a peacemaker. But I want to close with this thought. One of the biggest challenges of us as believers fulfilling that call of being a peacemaker is simply this. We overlook and we forget the peace that's supposed to be in our own life each and every day. We get so focused 
on the politics. We get so focused on the turmoil. We get so focused on the uncertainty. Is there going to be a shooting here again or is there going to be a shooting here again? We get so focused on the world around us that we forget that no matter what happens out there, I have a peace that cannot be taken away within me. During the French War, there was a, a train that was carrying dispatches that were very vital to an upcoming peace treaty. And, and the engineer on this train, he had about 60 miles to go in under an hour, so he had the pedal to the metal. And there were passengers on this train, and two of the passengers were the engineer's wife and daughter. And as he's barreling through these mountains, every turn seemingly that that train is going to derail, every bump in the road that seemingly that train's going to derail and overturn. And every passenger in the back, except for one, is just screaming in terror. But here's this little girl, and she just has a smile on her face. The curves get rougher, she still smiles. The bumps get harder, she still smiles. Finally, one of the other passengers asked her, little girl, how can you be at such peace in this moment when everything around you is barely hanging on? And with a smile, she just said, that's because my dad is up front and in charge. My dad is the engineer. And I know my dad is going to take care of me. You see, that's the peace that you and I have within us. The sad part is we let the world and the mindset of the world cause us to overlook that. And we can even begin to live our life in fear and not only are we not fulfilling our life and who we're supposed to be but we're unable to be the peacemaker that we're supposed to be called to be and we're not the peacemaker we're supposed to be called to be the world is not going to recognize you as one of his children but if we can draw our attention away from the strife and the struggle and the turmoil if we can draw our attention away from the uncertainty and the hardships the question marks of the world around us and look again within and be reminded that you know what this day that moment someone shared the gospel with me I accepted the one who brought peace to this world as my Lord and my Savior and in that moment he brought a peace into my life that is still there and will never leave me you see, that mindset affects the kind of fathers and mothers we are to our children. It affects the kind of husbands and wives we are to our spouses. It affects the kind of grandparents, grandchildren we are. It affects everything about our life. And when we live that peace out, you will begin to see people around you gravitate to you because they want to hear what makes you different. They want to hear what changed your life. They want to hear how you, even in the midst of this world, can still have the relationship with your spouse that you have and your kids you have. How can you send your kids off to school knowing the way the world is? Because I know the peace speaker. It changes everything. So my question to you as we close in prayer is this. If you know him and you belong to him, when's the last time someone looked at you and said, I see their father in them? Father God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. 
I thank you for the promise that you have made us that we have an opportunity to live a blessed life. But even as we see today, Lord, that blessed life has nothing to do with our circumstances, our situations. That blessed life has everything to do with who you are. I pray that every person in here that knows you, Lord, realizes that their story, their salvation, that is the gospel. I challenge each and every one of us in this place today, but before the sun goes down today, share your story with someone. Let us be peacemakers in this world we live in, God. Let people see you in us. Let us not avoid conflict. Let's not compromise our, our beliefs in who you are. Let us truly be who you've called us to be. Seeking to see those reconciled to you that don't yet know you. Seeking to reconcile marriages and siblings and friends just by your grace, mercy, and love. As always, Lord, we just thank you that our journey starts with you. Our journey is empowered and enabled by you. And our race and our journey continues on until you call us home, Lord. Have each and every one of us in this place today ask ourselves this question. Who can I help bring peace to this day? And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. We have one more week of our Blessed Life series. Uh, do not miss next Sunday morning. Uh, we'll bring all of these messages together. Uh, and celebrate the blessed life that we can have because of who he is. And don't forget next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, see you here for that night of thanks. You do not want to miss it. And even if you bring some green bean casserole, I'll, uh, I'll rejoice with you and uh, even sit next to you and uh, still won't eat any of it. <laughs> but I'll be thankful that you're here. God bless you. Have a great, great day.